Welcome to the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Your host here, E. Vanderbilt, with his trusted canine sidekick, Woody, where we bring you the news raw, unfiltered, and with no chaser. Woody, you ready for this week? No? Yeah, well, it's a lot of information that's coming out. I don't know how anybody can be ready for this. Well, anyway, you have found the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. And, of course, I'm talking to my trusted canine co-host, Woody. Well, why am I talking to him? Well, he's a great listener, but he's a dog, people. We can't talk back. I wish you could because if you could, he'd tell you to go over to our website, thepblpodcast.com, and uh, go on to all of our social media channels and follow us, as well as hit us up on YouTube, Politics and Brown Liquor, and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. It helps us move up. Move us up in the algorithm because life is not the matrix. Life is an algorithm. So let's talk about what's going on. Uh, we are less than two weeks out. That's right. The Trump campaign has less than two weeks now to, to either overturn a state's results or prevent a state from getting to the Electoral College. The Electoral College meets on December 14th, and that's by law. They will be meeting on December 14th, and they will be casting their votes for the President of the United States. And whichever candidate, whether it be Joe Biden or Donald Trump, gets 270 of those electoral votes, they will be the President of the United States. And then officially, by the way, either candidate will be the President-elect. Now, of course, if Trump gets it, he'll still be President, even though he'll still be kind I guess with two titles, right? I'm president and president-elect. But anyway, if Joe Biden gets it, he can officially say he is president-elect. Of course, that office of the president-elect nonsense, that doesn't exist. But, you know, that's a Democrat for you. So we have less than two weeks for Trump to make it happen. That's, that's a bottom line. That's where we're at. And as each day ticks by, the amount of information that we get we, we, those of us that are actually paying attention and looking for media sources that will tell us what's going on, it's unbelievable what we see and what we hear. Uh, and then there's also fractions out there as time goes by that want us to stop this conversation and just allow this to happen. Just accept it that Joe Biden is your president-elect. Accept it. You cannot, you cannot overcome these insurmountable odds. They are insurmountable. You must obey. And you know what? I hear this a lot, obviously, from the media, the left, which are the same, but I'm starting to hear it from those, okay, we'll call them never-Trumpers. You've already heard it from the never-Trumpers, but I'm hearing it from those quasi-Trump supporters, those ones that, you know, I never really liked the president, but I liked his policies, but, you know, I never really liked them. So I'm, I'm willing to accept it. I'm willing to accept the results, and I'm willing to move on. And then there are those of us, myself included, are have just too many questions, and we would like answers. This is our vote. Our vote is important. It's our vote is what keeps this country from turning into a banana republic. And there are several patriots out there that are questioning this, and because they don't want. America to become a banana republic. If this election was stolen and it's allowed to stand, we are by definition a banana republic. We must give up. And then, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to send the signal. By the way, that don't vote. We have a very important election coming up on January fifth here in Georgia, the runoff election for two senators, United States senators, and they are crucial, crucial to preserving America as America is. Because if they lose and the Democrats win. 
they being the Republicans, of course, and the Democrats win these seats. They'd have to win both of them, by the way. Um, the amount of damage that Democrat policies will do to this country, you will just not recognize America in 20 years. You just won't. But I digress. I talked about that on a previous podcast or show. So please, I talked about the Senate, why it's so important that the Republicans retain the Senate. I think our country depends on it. But let's talk about what's going on right now in this election. So we had Arizona had a hearing. And by the way, there are a lot of people on the left and the media. Again, I repeat myself. I do that a lot when I talk about the left and the media. These aren't hearings. They weren't in a courtroom. Uh, they were one side. They were partisan. Uh, make no mistake. They were hearings. There were Republican legislatures because the Democrat ones wouldn't show up. Uh, the Republican legislatures heard uh, evidence of voter irregularities. Okay, let's just say irregularities. Let's let's toss out that fraud word because that's what the media and the left so you know. Oh, fraud! Put your tinfoil hat on or take it off. That's what you can't. There's no fraud. And notice the media narrative of fraud has changed. It's changed from there is none to there's not widespread fraud. Uh, yeah. So that narrative switch, by the way, is very telling because they know, they know that there is um, examples and evidence of fraud. But let's call them voter irregularities. So the Arizona hearing, which I'm going to show some videos a, a little later on from the Arizona hearing, was pretty consistent with what we saw in the Pennsylvania hearings last week. And in the Pennsylvania hearings, just like in the Arizona hearings, they had uh, specialists after specialists, expert after expert, uh, poll workers, people who filled out affidavits, signed them under an oath, uh, tell their stories of all the voter irregularities that they saw. Uh, both, both hearings, we heard how poll workers were kept away. Both hearings, we heard experts saying the, uh, the anomalies in the data is just so overwhelming that I don't see how any of this is true. I mean, both of them. Now, in Pennsylvania, what resulted in that is the Pennsylvania legislatures, which are um, majority Republican, have petitioned the state that they will select the electors to go to the Electoral College. If that happens, they'll select Republican electors, and those 20 Electoral College votes from Pennsylvania go to Trump. Now, it's not been finalized if that's going to happen or not. they got to go through their process, but that came from that hearing that the media and the left want you to believe is not a hearing. And we saw in Arizona yesterday, an outroar, an out or uproar, an outrage that the governor certified the election while the hearing was going on. And another outrage is the governor uh, said that they're going to seat the Senator Kelly, the Democrat who won the seat. So people are outraged by that. But don't be outraged by that. This is where we got to be very, very careful. We got to be very careful that we don't misunderstand what policy and procedures are because most of these policies and procedures that they're enacting are by law. As example, here in the state of Georgia, if the result is within a half a percent, the state has the option to do an audit, not a recount. And the state took that option. They didn't have to, by the way. Uh, and then once they do that audit, and all that audit did was match the votes with the ballots, the tabulations with the ballots. After that's done, then they can certify the election. And again, there was outrage that Georgia certified the election. No, no, this is procedure. There's a lot of procedure in place here by law. So I want to make sure that we don't get confused by that and get on this emotional train of, I can't believe the state certified their elections with all these enormous uh, irregularities. Well, they have to. In the state of Georgia, the uh, 
opposing candidate cannot file um, a suit to recount the election without the election first being certified. So it had to be certified in order for the recount to happen, and the recount's happening right now. Now, whether that recount brings up anything, I don't know. It's not going to, it probably won't change the number of votes. There's a possibility it could, but it probably won't, but that's not the point. Go back to Wisconsin. In Wisconsin recount, Biden got like 80-some votes more, but now what it did is it opened up the avenue to take it to court because the Trump campaign found X amount of ballots that were not treated equally as other ballots in the state. Now they got to go to court to get those ballots tossed. That's how it all works. So a lot of this is procedural. Like in the state of Arizona, it's the same thing. The, they they got to go through their process in order to get to the end result. And going back to the governor saying that they're going to seat that senator right away. Well, this is not, this was not a normal senatorial race. This was a special election to fill the seat from John McCain who passed away. What happened when John McCain passed away, the Republican governor put somebody in there uh, as a temporary, somebody to hold the seat until a special election could be had. And that special election just, that was during this election cycle is when it was scheduled. And then once the special election happens, if that person wins, they can be seated right away. It's not a normal senatorial campaign election. If it was normal, they, they have processes for on inauguration day, it goes through the normal process. So we got to learn and make sure that we separate our emotions from what's going on. But that Arizona um, hearing was, again, you saw some of the same things that happened out of the Pennsylvania hearing. And there's another hearing this week in Michigan. Now, I've heard and read reports that Giuliani is not invited to that one. Now, there's going to be some outrage on that. But you know what? I don't think it matters. Uh, if Jenna Ellis is there, I think we're good. And it'll go through the same process. Now, you know, the idea here is what the Trump campaign is trying to achieve, and they have less than two weeks, is either to prevent states from certifying results, which is done. It's over. I believe all the, the states in question have certified or get the local state legislatures to, to act. That's what you're seeing in Pennsylvania. And, or take it to court, to the Supreme Court. The idea is not lower, lower courts, by the way. And I know there's been a lot of conversation about all these lower court opinions being tossed. That's not the point. The point is, and Rudy Giuliani mentioned this, is to get the right case to the Supreme Court. So, any court, lower court case that the Trump campaign brings, forget about all the other ones, even Sidney Powell's, okay, she's independent of the Trump campaign. The Trump campaign brings, if the lower court tosses it, then they can appeal, and it can appeal up to the Supreme Court. If they, if, let's say that they win in the lower court, and they've won a few, if they win in the lower court, then it would be up to the Biden campaign to appeal, and it'd go to the Supreme Court. So the idea is to get this thing to the Supreme Court sooner rather than later and remember in the 2020 the 2000 bush v gore election it was actually the bush camp that lost in a lower court and appealed for the supreme court so uh again it's got to get to the supreme court if we're going to turn any of these states what's going to have to happen is ballots that now have been identified are going to have to be presented to the court and the, the, like I said, if a lower court throws them out, the Biden camp's just going to appeal and it'll go to the Supreme Court. The idea is to get this to the Supreme Court. And that's, that's where we're at. And we've got less than two weeks for all this to happen. Now, if you go to the Arizona uh, hearing that happened this week, 
again, it's very typical of what we we heard in the Pennsylvania hearing. I mean, it, it was amazing watching some of the hearing out of Arizona and comparing it to some of what we saw in the Pennsylvania hearing. Now, the the guy who was chairing it, Mastiano, I think his name was, state rep. I mean, he's turned out to be a rock star on this. I don't think we had any rock stars come out of this one as far as local uh, Republican legislators. But uh, again, the, what you heard in Arizona is what you heard in Pennsylvania. And my guess is it'll be what you'll hear in Michigan. And I believe there's a hearing scheduled for Wisconsin. My guess is you're going to hear the same things. So now we've got all this going on. And now the media, they, they're not even covering it. They don't care because they don't want to ask these questions. But they don't get it. This is what the media and the tech giants and all that don't get. The more they ignore it, the bigger it becomes. It's reverse psychology. The more that big tech tries to tell you that there's uh, gives you all those warnings on, you know, uh, Trump's Twitter's almost every one of them have that warning that election fraud is rare. uh, The more people think the opposite. They don't get it. They don't get that. They're actually hurting the cause of they're actually trying to champion. If they would, if big tech would have not done anything, they just shut up and sit down. You, you know, there would be a lot of people who wouldn't be paying attention. So what they did is they inadvertently, because leftists do not understand the law of unintended consequences, uh, inadvertently, they've got more people interested and more people asking questions and more people supporting that there may be something wrong here. I mean, there are way too many irregularities, and each and every one of those irregularities need to be fleshed out every one of them i mean i guess you know that's you can't flesh out every little detail one but the major things that pop up it's like wait a minute here how did all these boat dumps happen in the the wee hours of the morning in just battleground states how could it be hundreds of thousands of votes that were brought in at like six in the morning four thirty in the morning five thirty in the morning 1 a.m in the morning how how could all of those that boom came in all go for Trump. Majority, right? Majority go for Trump. We heard in the Pennsylvania hearing, in one case, you had almost 600,000 of them were for Biden and uh, like 3,000 for Trump. And the, the room gasps. So the, wh- how could it be statistically possible? Well, this is what the left is going to tell you. The left will tell you, well, Trump was hated that much. Trump was hated so much that uh, people came out and voted like they would never vote for four. I go, really? Really? Is that it? Is that really what it is? I mean, I heard one local pundit here in the Atlanta marketplace who uh, wasn't ever Trumper, then was not a never Trumper, and now it's like gleefully talking about how this election is gone. And basically you say that because of Trump's, people hated Trump so much is why he lost the election. It's why uh, that down ballot, the Republicans could do well but not, it doesn't relate to Trump. And it explains, you know, they're trying to explain that the reason that people just voted for Biden and no other down ballot rates in thousands upon thousands of cases because they hated Trump so much. Never do they say it's because Biden was so inspirational. So Trump is hated so much is why we have these voter irregularities. But let me, let's see, wait a minute. There's logic. Logic always steps into this thing, right? So logically, Trump was hated so much he lost the race by traditional areas that would have normally voted for Republican, like um, the minority vote. 
Oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. He got more of the black vote this time than last time. Some reports saying twice as much. Okay, well, definitely the Latina vote. No, 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 no. The, the, the Latina vote voted more for Trump this time than last time, so that, that's not it. Okay, well, then it's the Jewish vote, right? No, no. He actually increased the number of votes from the Jewish community as well. Well, then what is it? Well, apparently, so apparently white women hate Trump so much that they uh, voted for Biden. So now I've met, I met a couple people, by the way, that couldn't vote for Trump and they voted for Biden because at least they voted. I said, you know, at least you voted. Uh, and I, I, you know, kudos to you. But I, there are some out there. But Trump achieved 11 million more votes this election cycle than in 2016. Think about that. 11 million more votes this election cycle than in 2016. That's how much he was hated. That he got more votes for any incumbent Republican or any incumbent president, period, than, than in the history of the United States of America. That's how, much, how, ma how many more people hated him is their logic of what they want to tell us. I don't know if I can find, I, you know, I understand it. I understand there are a lot of Trump haters out there. He is not the most um, sophisticated fella. He is a little bit crass. Okay. He's a lot of bit crass. I was not a Trump supporter in the 2016 primary, uh, but I voted for him. And I think it's one of the best votes for presidents that I ever made uh, because he has been a phenomenal president as far as accomplishments as far as what he has done not what he says i can care about his care less about his twitter account in fact i enjoy how he uh trolls the left i think it's absolutely fantastic how he control the left uh, but uh you're trying you want me to believe and you want millions and millions and millions and millions uh 75 million it looks like to believe because trump was hated so much by white suburban women he lost this election to joe biden that all these white suburban women in these Republican enclaves all voted for Biden. 80 million votes for Biden this election. The guy didn't campaign. He stayed in his basement. Um, I'm supposed to believe that? No, I'm sorry. I can't. And then after all these hearings, and yes, they are hearings, leftists, I don't care what you say, uh, just highlighting all the anomalies, I just got more, I have more questions than I do answers, and that's not a good thing. So let me get into the air. Let's play some of the clips from the Arizona hearings, and then I got a bunch of other stuff we're going to talk about, too, and that just doesn't make sense, or that makes you go, wait a minute, I think we need to figure this one out. All right, here, here's uh, Rudy Giuliani at the Arizona. We've been warned for 20 years that going to major mail-in ballots as a way of doing our elections will be fraught with tremendous fraud. They're very dangerous. It's almost impossible for even semi-crooked politicians to resist the temptation to use it for ballot stuffing. We were warned by President Jimmy Carter. We were warned by former Secretary of State Jim Baker in a report, very, very consequential report. They said we should never do it. And if we do it, it should be extremely limited to the real absentee situations like we have done in the past. We were warned by Justice Souter in the Supreme Court worn by many, many experts, Republican and Democrat. Democrats used to be against mail-in ballots, like they were against everything else until President Trump was for it, which gives you a sense they're not thinking about the country. We've been warned. For and he's absolutely right. He said this before. We have been warned about mail-in ballots 
by Democrats. Uh, this mail-in ballot scam is just that. And it was, uh, how do I put it? Without the scamdemic, um, I'm sorry, pandemic, we would have never had mail-in voting. So the logical conclusion on that is, why did we have the scam? I'm sorry, I meant pandemic. Uh, why do we have the scamdemic? Be that led to mail-in voting because if we didn't have the scandemic, there would have never been a reason for mail-in voting. The media wouldn't have been able to highlight it the way they did and push it the way they did. Uh, the electorate, us, we wouldn't have people, citizens wouldn't have been like, well, wait, why do we got to do this now? What's different now? Well, what's different now is the scamdemic. I mean, I'm sorry, pandemic. So we didn't, we didn't, we would have never needed this. And then you're trying to tell me, you're trying to piss on my leg, tell me it's raining by saying that uh, the rejection rate of these mail-in ballots is uh, incredibly lower compared to normal absentee mail-in ballot rejection rate is because people were smarter, educated on the mail-in ballot. We made, oh, we, we made it simpler, so it was complicated before. None of it makes sense. All it did was open up more avenues for fraud. The key fraud is the mail-in ballot. That was the backup in case they fell too far behind. That's why they cut off the vote at midnight, 1 o'clock, when President Trump was getting too far ahead, particularly in Pennsylvania, in uh, Michigan, in uh, Wisconsin, and, and also in um, uh, Pennsylvania. So they cut off the vote. He was getting up to 800,000 in Pennsylvania, 300,000 in Michigan. He was even further ahead in Wisconsin. They cut off the vote. They turned things off. They chased everybody out. And then it's not your concern, except for the fact that you've got to look, look at this somewhat in to total. They started bringing in false ballots. We have three witnesses to 100,000 of those ballots being brought in at 4.30 in the morning in Detroit with no Republicans around that they knew of. Luckily, we had two that stayed behind and a Dominion employee who was willing to be honest. Not all of them are honest. The key fraud is the... So affidavit after affidavit after affidavit after affidavit after affidavit. And... You, the media has no interest in hearing this story, none whatsoever. All they want you to believe is President-elect Biden is going to speak to you from the office of the President-elect Joseph Biden. Here is President. Oh no, he's um, sorry. He's he broke his foot, so he'll be incapacitated for a little while. Meanwhile, Kamala Harris is going. Well, that was easy breaking his foot. So there's a starter. Let's. Uh, that was a test run. Now we'll just wait until after. Oh, wait a minute. I'm getting to another one of those conspiracy theories, aren't I? I'll move on. I won't get into that one. Let's. Uh... But then Giuliani said this. And I'm going to ask you to fight. And I'm going to ask you to try to implore the other members of your legislature to stand up to this. Do not be bullied. Do not be frightened. Your political career is worth losing if you can save the right to vote in America. In fact, I may get you a... In fact, I can get you a chapter in Profiles in Courage if you do that. Because at times in our history, certain men and women have stepped forward and lost their political career to give us the rights that we have. And I'm going to ask you to... In fact, um, many men who signed the Declaration of Independence 
lost everything they had. We are going to ask you as legislators to reclaim that authority and to make sure that the people of Arizona and indeed the people of the United States of America as a whole are not disenfranchised by corruption. Federalist 68, uh, Alexander Hamilton talks about the method of choosing our chief magistrate, our president of the United States, and that this safeguard of vesting that authority exclusively with the state legislatures is the safeguard to making sure that corruption does not win. And when the vote of the people and the voice of the people is corrupted through influence, through fraud, then it is the responsibility, the duty, and the obligation, not just the choice, but the actual duty and obligation of the legislature to step in and to make sure that you don't certify false results. You are the last step to make sure that this election is not corrupted. And again, we aren't asking you to step in and overturn an election. We are asking you to step in to make sure that the corruption that occurred here does not stand. We are and you know what that and you know what the Trump team have been consistent in saying that that they're not here to ask you to overturn the election. They're here to make sure that corruption, if there is some, does not stand. There are way too many anomalies here, people. There are just way too many. So let's get into now. That was Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis setting up the the meeting and for what these these state legislators. That was what who they were speaking to, by the way. So for those on the left in the media. Yes, I repeated myself yet again. Uh, <clears throat> those were, they're speaking to state legislators. Now, yes, Republican. But in these states, Republicans are the majority in the state legislation. In fact, that's where the power lies in our nation. There's so much power in the state legislatures. And the Trump team knows this. The media want you to not know the power that your state legislature has in our nation. I talked about this yesterday. If the left get the Senate, they will, even if they stack the court, they still will not be able to overturn anything in the Constitution of the United States of America because they will not have the majority to get there. They won't have, they'll need two-thirds of state legislatures to, to amend the Constitution. They won't. They don't even have a third. I mean, they don't have. They just don't have the power, and they need two thirds of the Senate to get there. Even if they win the Senate, even if they get these two races in Georgia, they still will not have enough to overturn the Constitution of the United States in any way, shape, or form. But they will have power to manipulate law through the courts. That's how Democrats win, and that's what they're trying to do now. So the 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 Trump team has is absolutely correct talking directly to the state legislatures and this is what the media and the left absolutely are frightened of they hate that this is happening that the trump team is taking it straight to the state legislatures just like trump does with his twitter account takes it straight to the american people he's taking his case straight to the american legislatures it's a brilliant move it is an absolutely brilliant move. So here are some of the uh, testimonies and um, I guess evidence. We'll say evidence. Here's what the ex some of the experts say. So let's play these clips and you'll see what the state legislatures heard. These are highlights, of course. This was a long meeting and they heard so much more 
then uh, I'm presenting to you here. But so here is one of their witnesses, their experts they brought up to talk about how easy it is to get into the Dominion machine. So my vote is only as good as the integrity of Dominion and all the hackers that exist that can get into the Dominion machine. Your vote is not as secure as your Venmo account. Pardon me? Say that one more time. Your vote is not as secure as your Venmo account. Can you think of any reason why any, anyone would hire them to count votes in the United States? I, I could postulate a lot of... Are any of them good reasons? <laughs> um, they have a, a strong lobby. Um, they... Uh, work with the government, they work with state government agencies, and they've got the infrastructure to sell their services. Of course, he was talking about Dominion. Now, real quick overview of Dominion, and, and this is, you know, what he talked about here is, you know, Rudy Giuliani asked him, why do you think these states would buy from these, this company? And he mentioned, well, uh, infrastructure, uh, lobbyists. So, you know, Dominion was a small company up until the Obama administration made another voting machine company that had 40% of the market sell their assets to Dominion. Dominion was started in Canada. Yes, it's a foreign company in 2002. And in a 2010, uh, this company, I believe it was an offshoot of uh, Diebold, they made the Department of Justice, told them they had to sell their assets or, or they're going to they're gonna fine them or they're going to jail them. But they pretty much strong-armed to sell all their assets to Dominion. Dominion bought them. This is in 2010. Also in 2010, Dominion bought Sequoia voting machines. Sequoia was a U.S. company that was purchased in 2005 by, wait for it, Smart. Matic. That's right, Smartmatic. So they got Smartmatic software because they bought the machines from Sequoia. And from that sale, they also got one uh, person, one of the associates who came with the furniture, Dr. Eric Coomer, who I'm going to go into a little bit later. So Dominion went from a small company almost overnight to 50% of the marketplace in 2010, thanks to the Obama administration. Does this all start to make sense? I mean, you start piecing all these two things together, and it just uh, it smells rotten in Denmark, doesn't it? So anyway, <clears throat> this guy was telling you, their software, he's a, he's a data analyst. Their software, I mean, the quote he said, your Venmo account is safer than Dominion. That's crazy. This is our vote, our vote. And we're here having this conversation because this is an election for the most powerful position in the United States, arguably the world. Uh, now they brought in, Another witness that uh, this is one of the poll workers and how she was refused the ability to observe. So listen to what she has to say. My only concern is the handling of the ballots, which makes them uh, ineligible to go through the machine correctly. But no. it's the room before me and the room after me that's it's a concern. I, I don't get to see. Well, who let me just let me ask you about that. So a certain number of ballots were now put aside as duplicates. Yes. Duplicates means that they had a problem. Yes, that they have to be duplicated. Right. So, it didn't yeah. mean there were two ballots. Right. That's the what they call Duplicates can them. sound like two ballots. What right. it meant was there's something wrong with it, and therefore we may have to duplicate it. Yes. And that's the room that I was originally... And they, and they were put aside. Put aside. And they were brought out. into another room, and people. you were not allowed to go in there. No, I was not allowed to go back there. So you were, you were cut off from that also. Yes. 
I was specifically taken out. You were cut off from observing the problem ballot. Yes. I was specifically taken out of that room, ushered out, and brought into this room, which really was just the room, as I explained. And how many, how, how many could you estimate that is? Um, each table would have an average of, let's see, I would say maybe one-sixteenth of the pile, so, you know, let's say an average of maybe 10 to 20 ballots, but by the time I left, there were, these bins were filled. They would fill them, they would go correct them, or whatever it is that they did, and brought them back. Best estimate. Um, I would say my guess would be close to, a, in the time, the day that I was there, just mm -hmm. in five yeah. hours, maybe uh, 2,000 ballots. Okay. It's not a single testimony there. We've heard that from other witnesses that they were not allowed to go witness thing. They were, you know, they were prevented. They were kicked out. So testimony after testimony. This again, I'm just giving you a, a, a sampling of it from what 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 went on in these hearings. We heard the same thing in Pennsylvania. We've heard we've had affidavits come out from Georgia that said the same thing. We've had affidavits come out from Wisconsin said the same thing. Affidavits come out of Michigan that said the same thing. So we got all these people that are doing this. What do you think they are? They're just lying. Is that what the media wants you to believe? That all these people, these poll workers, oh, they just want their 15 minutes of fame. Or oh, wait a minute, maybe, maybe they're being paid by the Trump team to lie. Under oath, under oath, mind you. They are under oath. 